You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins. Welcome to the second week of 2021. And we are kicking it off with a bang. We've never covered really this before, but given that we probably want to try and push a few more sellers into the market with such a low level of stock on the market. We wanted to discuss today the different ways you can sell, the pros and cons, what you're trying to achieve, the why as well. So to have that conversation, I wanted to bring in one of the real estate agents in Perth that I respect the most, not only given uh, the length of time he's been in the market, but also the fact that he's been around the country. He's been a real estate agent in different states, understands the motivations for different types of selling techniques based on the dynamics of that market. And maybe there are some missing gaps here in WA that we can start to fill too as sellers. Now, that man is Jason Whiteman from Guest Real Estate. Jace, thanks for coming in, mate. Thank you for the invite and all the best for the new year. Now, we're still a little bit early in the year. You've rocked up in your thongs and shorts. Are you back at work yet? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I would if I could as well, mate. And yeah, I'm very much needing a holiday again. To be honest, we haven't even really started the year. All right, let's get into it. We're going to crack through a bunch of different ways to sell your property. And I think we'll start from the top with the one we're all used to. And that's the different types of private treaty sales. And really, the first one would be setting a price. Just a price, it's... $500,000. Why would you do that? What are you trying to achieve out of that? And what are the pros and cons? I think the, the first benefit of having the asking price disclosed is its transparency to the buyer. We know at $500,000, that's clearly what the owner wants. However, it's a given acceptance that where we have an asking price, it's negotiable. Before the advent of technology and realestate.com and rewa.com and the like and the different portals, we would advertise properties in the West Australian, the Sunday Times at 500000 ONO, which means all nearest offer. It's an invitation effectively to say, hey, I want five hundred, but I'm prepared to negotiate and let's see where that ends up. It could also end up above. It can do. It didn't traditionally, but yes, certainly, which brings us into another pricing method where we say offers from five hundred, which says exactly that. We're saying we're looking to go above that. We want to negotiate above, but it also leaves the opportunity too, if we're a little bit optimistic at saying five hundred plus, buyers still have the ability to make an offer under that and we can start the negotiation from that point. I think the difference there with people starting to say a from price is that there is an expectation on the seller's side that we're definitely not going to get offers below that. That's not the case really, is it? If it's not value, if it's not actually worth to the market from 499 and people really think it's worth 480, they're going to offer 480 regardless of whether you say from or not. They still will. So the concept of saying from 500 opens up two possible conversations with a buyer. The buyer will ask, Jason, how much more than 500 do I need to spend to secure the home or how negotiable are they? They're really saying, do I have to go above 500 or can I come under? So the difference here is that when you set a price, generally what you're doing is saying, I'd like 500, but give me an offer. When you set a from price, it's more like saying, I'm not prepared to take anything less than 500, even if they secretly would be. It's more probably more of an aggressive strategy as a seller, having a from price. It certainly gives you more options, that's for sure. Where you've got a fixed price, uh, the only way that price is going to go is backwards. Is it a bit of a risk though, if it doesn't sell in that first month from... 499 and then you've had the conversation with the sellers and they maybe go okay well let's go from 489 
starts to put them on the back foot and make buyers aware that it hasn't really been going that well? Yeah, look, it clearly says to the marketplace who have been monitoring that property that from 500 was was optimistic. But a good real estate agent who's good at negotiation, adjusting the price back to say from 489 or 479 plus, there's no issue with that. In a market like this, where everything's selling in a fortnight if it's priced properly, do we really need to have a private treaty price. We'll talk about it in a second, but where really it's a seller's market now, you could just put any any price or put no price and people will be calling you, right? It's sometimes good to not have a price at all. You could quite possibly. I think at the end of the day, every buyer still wants to have an indication on price. Mm. And with all the web portals today, you can put in price ranges which you wish to search in. And properties, even auction properties or expressions of interest yep. properties, they still come up in filters. Because you so have to put something in. Have to put it seller. at law under the terms and conditions of those platforms. So the buyers know where the properties are. That's a really, really smart point, Jason. I think that most people will prick their ears up then and go, wow, I didn't think about that, but that is so true. Finally, on the private treaty side, price ranges. Yes. Now, this is one I think that's really interesting because for me, there's some code of conduct issues that come with price ranges as well about the way that selling agents sometimes catfish people in with low price ranges or really wide price ranges when really they never would have accepted anywhere on the lower side of the range and they're looking for the high side and they're just trying to get people in. But it is also a good method if it's done ethically to capture a broad spectrum of buyers, especially in a suburb that has a broad spectrum of prices and get them moving, right? Very much so. And you've got to be very careful, which you alluded to in your first comment there, that you don't want to mislead people. If we have a property that's on it, uh, we're looking at offers between 450 and 500, and I make an offer at 460, and that property that, that you don't accept that offer, is that misleading? Or worst case scenario, it's going to annoy the public. It does start to tick people off, and then it obviously leads to the risk to real estate agent, which is your license at the end of the day, yes. your code of conduct coming into play. It, very much so. When we look at a price range, effectively, you could read into it and say, well, 450, we're not selling it, but I would sell it at 500 and negotiate somewhere in between. Now, we've just spoken about three different types of private treaty. Within the three of those, in a seller's market that we're in right now, which one would you be going for if that's the way that it's set? If seller said they wanted one of those three, yes. what would be your favourite right now? Uh, definitely the from price. And the reason is? Well, you're not capping the price. You're not capping the price. You're saying we're looking at offers above. And if that pricing point of, say, 500 plus is accurate, you're going to get over and above. Um, and it also allows buyers not to compete against other buyers, but they compete with themselves. So they may think it's worth 530 and 540. That doesn't stop them from making that offer at 530 or 540. Their imagination can, their FOMO can run away from them in a seller's market. Very much so. That's a great point, Jase. What about in a buyer's market where we're, you know, we're struggling, we're not that confident we're going to get the price we want? I think the from price still has merit, um, but in saying that, a fixed price becomes, I think, more the uh, status quo. Would a range be helpful as a seller when it's a buyer's market? to not just capture someone to try and buy this property? Yeah, I think as long as that range, again, is not misleading, yes, there's merit in that. But if we advertise a property with a price, we can measure the inquiry, the inspection, second inspections and the like, and we can make the determination on whether that price is correct or not. So if we can get all of the marketing done correctly, we have open for inspections and we create adequate opportunity for buyers to view the home, let's bring the only reason that a home will not sell back to the owner, and that is their price. Yeah. And that's a good thing to have because then it's the owner's responsibility and they're in total control. Because I guess it's a foregone conclusion in a market like this now where if you are 
pricing it fairly accurately, there will be buyers. Without question. Yeah, so therefore, you're right, why cap it when really the price could be anything? Because it's moving so quickly. Even professionals who'd see it every day in their area, sometimes they're surprised by where the price ends up being on a property and they go, Jesus, I hadn't really expected to move this fast. I think as real estate agents, we guess what someone will pay for it. But up until we know what the emotions are behind the purchase, yes, I'm happy to be wrong on price in this sort of market for sure. You'd want to be. Yes. (laughs) I think everyone wins, right? (laughs) Correct, they Okay, so we've just spoken about the three types of private treaty arrangements when it comes to buying and selling a property. Let's move into more the tender type. Now, this is still really a private treaty. It's not an auction, but it's not priced in a way where the seller is giving indications of what they're prepared to sell for. So the first type would be a set date sale. And as a buyer's agent, I hate a set date sale because when I see a property I want, I want to buy it. And I'm, I really have other things to do in the next four weeks. I would not really like to keep that on my desktop and wait for the next four weeks until it's possibly available for sale. Explain to me why a seller or a selling agent will uh, push a set date sale hmm. in favour for the vendor. So firstly, just quickly, a set date sale, a fixed date sale, an end date sale, an expression of interest, they're all the same thing. They're what we call used to call a tender, mm. which we still hear in commercial terms these days. So the tender system's quite simple. The benefit today is that we're going to have the property advertised for two, three or four weeks. We have a close-off date. So that gives the buyers every opportunity to have a look at this property as opposed to having the property sell in one week. There is no price traditionally advertised or exposed on a tender system. They leave it totally up to the buyer. And that's so that the buyer can make their own opinion on price. And again, in a rising market, in a competitive market, a seller's market like it is today, that's that's certainly got some advantage. It also allows, in a lot of cases, the terms and conditions. So the amount of the deposit, can it be subject to finance, subject to building, etc., etc. They're all conditions that the buyer quite often is allowed to put in on their offer. As a buyer... I am generally disincentivized to put my offer in even a day before the set date sale date, as long as I know it will sell on that date and not before it, because generally I've found uh, in the junior times of my career that someone would pip me the day after. And it just seemed that the selling agent really was just going to use the current offer to get the next offer up. You don't show your hand in a game of poker until you're called on. And it's exactly the same here. So you're not going to write your offer beforehand, I wouldn't have thought. Mm. And that's why on the last day, it normally becomes very busy for the agent because hopefully you're going to get two or three offers. Now, on a set date sale, what's the risk for a seller? Look, the risk is limited. The advantage is, if I can go the other way first, is that you're giving the property appropriate amount of exposure. So we're running home open Saturdays and Sundays and we're going to run that for two, three, four weeks or whatever the situation is. The risk is that we could possibly attract the wrong people because we don't have a price on it. So if we're attracting people at $400,000 when their home's really closer to five, we've effectively attracted the wrong buyer. One thing that I was always concerned of with a set date sale, and it's obviously a lot more pertinent in a buyer's market, is that the same, I guess, the same risk you have with an auction is that you set the set date sale and none of the offers you get, if you get any, actually come anywhere near you want. And then everyone knows the set date sale was for the 10th of January, but then it's still available on the 11th and the 12th and the 13th, which shows your hands in that game of poker yeah. as a seller, right? It will just demonstrates that the seller was too optimistic, your price was too high. Mm, which causes problems in terms of that relationship with buyer and seller because then either the buyer knows definitely there's not a lot of competition on this property or the seller's totally unrealistic and while we want to even bother negotiating with them in the first place. 100% correct. 
I guess you're a bit luckier in a seller's market because you probably do have a lot more strength on the buy side, but there's still that risk there for the seller, I think. Yeah, I think the risk is probably the same as if you were advertising with private treaty. If your pricing point's wrong, the result will be the same, irrespective of what platform you try and sell it under. Good point. All right, the next one would be offers. Some You will see a lot of that happen, right, where the agent just goes, you know what, let's just let the market tell us what the price is, which... Yeah, it's a bit of a hippie way of doing it in my opinion. But again, as a buyer, it frustrates me because if, what I have to do then is call the agent and go, what's the price? You could have just told me on it. I could have saved this conversation if you just put it on the on the advert. And you're assuming that the agent returns the phone call promptly as well. So yes. I think by not having a price and just opening it up to offers outside of the tender system, I don't understand the, the concept behind it. We need as agents to make the process of buying a home for the end consumer being the buyer as easy as we can. I don't know any commodity, anything tangible or any service that I need to purchase without knowing what it is I have to do to pay. That's a good point. Except for this process here. And the other point that we need to understand is, so when a buyer rings up and says, Jason, how much do they want? Look, it's not about me, it's about you, Mr. Buyer. Well, what does the seller really want for? What do you think it's worth? Well, it's not my home. I've been asked not to talk about the price and all that dialogue we've been taught and trained. But I'm the same real estate agent that puts all this shiny, glossy advertising material in your letterbox that says, I can offer you free appraisals. Free appraisals means I know price. Yeah, you should. So I'm sitting there talking to a buyer and he knows that I know that I'm talking porky pies to him. Am I suggesting I know every home's value in Morley except for the one I'm trying to sell? I think we get off on the wrong foot that way and it causes complication. And that's the thing, buyers know that. Buyers know that you know the price. Buyers know that you know at least what the sellers want. So just let us know. Essentially what we're trying to do is lubricate the situation to get as quickly as possible a negotiation moving. Because if buyers calling, they want to participate. They want to offer, right? So that is one thing that does frustrate me as a buyer is when sellers, I really think there's a lazy way to sell as a selling agent just to go offers. Uh, because I think what we should be doing is at the very least offering a from price to go at the very least the sellers want this and then the market will tell us. Offers really, I think all it does is builds a selling agent's database. Well, the other question a buyer has thrown at me is what are you hiding? Why won't you tell me what the seller wants? Why won't you tell me the price? So you're not a fan of offers as a selling agent generally? I don't think so. I, I don't think it makes it as transparent as um, other processes do afford. Okay. Finally, on the tender side that we'll talk about today is expressions of interest. Yes. What's the point of this one as a selling agent for your client? Traditionally, you'd have a closed date, expression of interest, uh, expressions will close on whatever the date is. So it's what we've spoken about before. It's really just it, a different way of saying it. It's just another way of saying tender, which for some reasons become a bit archaic and people don't like the word tender. And they've come up with other marketing strategies for the same process though. Okay. So when it comes to the initial set of three options, which was yes. a price, a from price, or a price range, yes. versus a set date, offers, and expressions of interest, which one do you prefer right now? I prefer the from price. Yep. You're, um, still, a, you're still a fan. I'm still a fan of the from price. Yep. However, I think we've got to make sure that that property stays in the market for a long enough period before we make some offers. If we could sit there and say an expression of interest, and we're looking at offers from 500, I think that caters for everybody. Okay. For me, if you said that, that would just be more words on the page that don't need to be there, right? Because what we really want to do is have a from price. Sure. Let it run. Yes. I like that. And finally, we're going to talk about the whole world of options, which is really quite an interesting space in Western Australia because it is nearly non-existent when you compare it to the East Coast. Can you explain how the auction system sits in our psyche compared to that of the East Coast? I think with a lot of the franchise groups and a lot of the real estate training is all 
eastern states based. If we go back and have a look at auctions in Melbourne and Sydney, there are two reasons why auctions are so prominent. I mean, it's a point of conversation every night on the news on a weekend. What are the auction clearance rates? It's a three-page spread at the front end of the newspaper every weekend, again, explaining the statistics. And Perth is never on that list. We're never even close to it. Well, we're just not even uh, reported because we don't have enough auctions. We don't. We don't. So what happens over in Melbourne is that because the the marketplaces are so buoyant and it's more of a seller's market all year round in Melbourne, that's one, you're going to be guaranteed competition on the property and therefore auctions work. But the agents over there, in my opinion, are a lot more skilled in auction because that's all that they do. And all of the agents, particularly in the inner metro, they push auctions because if they don't auction a property and they sell it by private treaty, which is a pricing mechanism like we've spoken about, then there's a cooling off period available to the buyer. Explain that and explain that in contrast to WA. Okay, so when we sell over in Melbourne with a uh, an asking price and the contract gets accepted, the buyer still has the right to change their mind within a three to five day period and pull out of the contract. Cold feet. Cold feet, change their mind, buyer's remorse. Whereas in Western Australia, our contract's binding from that point on. We have a, a, a contract that is going to settle under those terms and conditions. So your auction bases, our auction training, all comes based from what happens over east. Now, the auctions over east, because of the buoyancy in the market, it's traditionally a 10% deposit, a 30 or 60 day settlement. It's cash, it's unconditional. If you want to get a building inspection or a termite inspection, you can, but you pay for that yourself before the auction and it's not a condition in the auction it really seems to me that over on the east coast you are a lamb to the slaughter as a buyer you really have minimal control and especially given how expensive prices are over there how the hell does anyone have cash well it's a good question isn't it so is it that they've had to have gotten pre-approval before they decide to enter any auction? Yeah, so pre-approval, however they want to finance it personally is up to them. However, the contract they sign, it's a cash contract. So if you're borrowing money from the bank and the bank changes their mind, you've got some very big problems in not performing on that contract if it doesn't settle. What happens there? Well, a broad brushstroke would say that the buyer gets sued and they lose their 10% deposit. Now, if you're talking a $2 million property, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so what it means is that at least over east, you have to be much more prepared as a buyer than you probably do in WA, where there are ways to get yourself out of a purchase, even with no cooling off period. Very much so. Very much so. And you talk about, okay, auctions over here in Western Australia compared to the Eastern Seaboard. Let's adopt those terms and conditions and bring them back over here. So let's have a look at my marketplace in Morley. Median price of around 450000 at the moment. 10% deposit, that's $45,000. Cash contracts settle in 30 days. I don't know anyone in Morley that can do that. I don't know anyone in Perth that can do that because the bank needs time to do their final approvals, their unconditional approvals, and then they need to get their settlement team working. You need at least 45 days as a minimum, I think, if you've already got pre-approval. And therein lies our problem over here in Western Australia is that when we try and do an auction along those terms and conditions, they're not selling. Because they're not feasible. They're just too restrictive. The, the terms and conditions are too restrictive. The only buyers you can get are, are genuine cash buyers. Genuine cash buyers, which are very, very rare, and they understand the leverage they have by being the only cash buyer, and they'll go very, very aggressive on price. They lowball. 
they lowball very much so, as opposed to selling the same home over here through private treaty, where we allow someone to pay a $10,000 deposit rather than 10%. We allow them 45 days to get finance, and we allow them to get a building inspection, a pest inspection, electrical inspection as a condition on the contract. So if there are any problems, the, buyer, the seller, my apologies, has to fix that. And then we allow them to settle 30 days after that. So who's got it right, WA or the rest of the country? I think Melbourne's got it right for their marketplace. Um, I think our biggest challenge over here in Western Australia when we talk about auctions is that, number one, agents aren't educated enough in it, and clearly they don't believe in the concept enough because there are no auctions that are happening at the moment, and yep. they never are, as a percentage of uh, traditional private treaty listings. And I think that's because we're adopting the wrong terms and conditions. The fundamentals of an auction I'm a big advocate on. Terms and conditions are just prohibitive the way that they're traditionally being done. Look, Jason, you're an auctioneer. Uh, do you suggest that we do need more auctions in Perth or really we don't need more auctions, it's just more horses for courses? The benefits are, are far superior, in my opinion, to private treaty selling as long as we can conduct the auction properly. Now, properly, let me explain that. I think in Western Australia we need to understand that our buyers and sellers aren't educated like they are on the eastern seaboard, and that's because our real estate agents are. And the agents I speak to who are now adopting a method of auction, they understand that we need to have the deposit of $10,000 is a lot easier to get paid as opposed to 10% being 45000 So if we allow that to be paid, and they can pay it the same way they would if they bought a home through private treaty, which is your $10,000 is payable within five days of the auction. We will allow you to bid subject to finance within 45 days. However, I need to see a proper pre-approval from the bank, not your broker, make sure your credit checks have been done, etc., etc. So the only condition on your finance will be that it, it stacks up at valuation. Okay, so that's a traditional auction. I think it's horses of courses in Western Australia personally and that if you have a property that will sell itself, there's no reason why you wouldn't entertain an auction as a seller. I think yes. we've definitely seen some good outcomes when that is adopted, however rare it is. That's a traditional one where you've got your auctioneer standing on his little box and um, getting uh, people going on a Saturday afternoon, right? What about these online auctions you've seen? You know, we've, we've had Peter Clements in before talking about open negotiation. There's a couple of other smaller, less sophisticated options out there as well. Are you yeah. a fan of the online auction type? I don't advocate it myself. However, I certainly see the benefit in it. Uh, and again, conceptually, I think it's great. The piece that it doesn't allow to happen, in my opinion, is to allow the agent themselves and the auctioneer to be up there in front of 50 and 100 people on the front lawn of a property and create, direct and construct the atmosphere and the emotion which leads to the best outcome in the world. It's a very awkward, thick atmosphere at the time, isn't it? There's nothing like an auction in the front lawn of someone's house to get someone feeling really self-conscious about with the world in that about themselves yeah. at that point in time it's a very strange feeling isn't it and i also think oh, it's an exciting feeling yeah, and that we just don't get that feeling and <laughs> correct i think but as an auctioneer what it gives us the opportunity to do is to is to allow that buyer to see his his or her competition it levels people it levels people but it excites people my job's not to make people buy a property my job's to present that property so that they can buy it and then encourage their motivation to make sure they win it because it adds another element of winning mate i think we're going to talk more deeply in the future about auctions so we'll leave a little bit of that extra buzz for the listeners going forward but i think you're definitely more of a fan of the traditional auction i won't even have to ask that of you uh, between the three now in this market, which one would still be the way? Is it still the from price or is it the from price with a caveat that the, with the right property there's an auction in it? 
definitely the latter okay. and that so to uh, to leave a little taste in the listener's mouth for our next conversation we need to be talking price in an auction and it needs to be an accurate conversation jace this has been super fun i think people are going to love this episode uh, we'll definitely we'll have you in again to discuss in more detail all the little nitty-gritty parts of auctions in western australia will probably rehash a little bit of this episode as well and and pour it all together mate thanks a lot for your time it's been really fun appreciate the opportunity thank you for listening to another episode of the perth property show if you've only just joined the conversation you can catch up by heading over to our website perthpropertyshow.com.au subscribing to the podcast or joining our facebook page don't forget to tune in next monday at 7am for more expert insights local analysis and suburb spotlights happy hunting